Hi, welcome to Bookie. Today we will unlock the book Evolutionary Psychology, The New Science of the Mind for You. Evolutionary psychology suggests that in the course of human evolution, our ancestors often encountered difficulties related to survival or reproduction. These challenges are called adaptive problems. To solve these problems, we have slowly evolved a unique set of psychological mechanisms that help us better adapt to our environment. For example, we have a strong taste preference for fat. Evolutionary psychology explains this by stating that this preference has adaptive value in evolutionary history and was more conducive to the survival of primitive humans. This is because fat was a valuable, calorie-rich, and scarce resource in that environment. This is what the book Evolutionary Psychology emphasizes. Humans have slowly evolved a series of psychological mechanisms over the course of evolution to help us solve problems and thus better adapt to our environment. But in the case of fat preference, evolutionary psychologists remind us that the mechanisms that have been able to successfully solve problems in evolutionary history don't necessarily help us solve problems in our modern environment. Today, for example, a taste preference for fat can make us overweight and even bring us various diseases. As a landmark work in evolutionary psychology, this book sheds light on how adaptive problems in evolution affect our psychological mechanisms and the critical features of the psychological mechanisms formed by evolution. The author David M. Buss is a leading figure in evolutionary psychology. After receiving his PhD from the University of California at Berkeley in 1981, he spent four years as an assistant professor at Harvard University. He then moved to the University of Michigan where he taught for 11 years as a professor before accepting his current position as professor of psychology at the University of Texas. For many years, he has focused on evolutionary psychology, and his primary research interests include mating strategies, conflict between the sexes, prestige, status and social reputation, jealousy and aggression, and so forth. With his years of research on evolutionary psychology, he combines evolutionary psychology with biology, psychology, genetics and sociology, thus making us realize that some of our psychological mechanisms and behavioral preferences today are inextricably linked to the environment in which we live. In this bookie, we will talk about the psychological mechanisms humans have developed to adapt to the environment in the following four parts. Part 1, Evolved Psychological Mechanisms for Dealing with Survival Problems. Part 2, Evolved Psychological Mechanisms for Dealing with Mate Selection. Part 3, Evolved Psychological Mechanisms for Dealing with Family Problems. Part 4, Evolved Psychological Mechanisms for Dealing with Problems of Group Living. Let's start with the first part and see what psychological mechanisms humans have developed in response to survival problems. When talking about evolution, we have to mention Charles Darwin the author of On the Origin of Species, which we have explored in the bookie Why Evolution is True. According to his theory, an organism can survive for many years but not necessarily pass on its inherited qualities to future generations. If an organism has more offspring than others, its characteristics get passed down to future generations at a relatively higher frequency. Therefore, reproduction is necessary for survival. At the same time, survival is also a prerequisite for reproduction, because to reproduce, organisms must survive. For humans, throughout our long evolutionary history, Harsh natural conditions of all kinds threatened our survival, such as extremes of the climate, food shortages, toxins, diseases, and so forth. We can say that survival problems are the most challenging in human evolution, which affect the mechanisms of the body and mind in three aspects. 
The first is the effect on food selection. It is not hard to imagine that living organisms cannot survive without food and water. Of course, this crisis may not be noticeable, because in modern society, if we are hungry, we can go to a restaurant, a supermarket, or order takeaway. But in primitive times, it was a different story because our ancestors spent most of their day in a very hostile living environment searching for food. The most pressing issue for them was how to get enough calories and nutrients to sustain themselves. The desperate need for calories and nutrients led our ancestors to develop unique preferences in food selection. Studies have found that in a primitive tribe in Tanzania, honey was the most popular food because it contained the highest amount of sugar and calories and best met our ancestors' energy needs. It has also been found that humans dislike bitter and sour foods because the taste is often an indicator that the food is toxic. Humans also have a strong aversion to new foods, which is known as neophobia. The second aspect of our psychological evolution influenced by survival problems is our preference for habitat selection. The savanna of Africa is widely believed to be the origin of mankind. Compared to tropical forests, it offers more game for meat, and wide-open vistas which is ideal for primate hunting. Also, trees can protect human skin from the harsh sun and provide a refuge for escaping from danger. Ancestral environmental preferences appear to have influenced people's preferences for environment today. Evidence from several cross-cultural studies suggests that natural environments are consistently preferred to human-made environments. In the modern world, we still select and decorate our homes to correspond to a primitive habitat. In response, evolutionary psychologists have proposed the savanna hypothesis of habitat preference, that is natural selection has shaped our preferences for environments. We prefer the environmental features favored by our ancestors. Our ancestors have encountered many dangers in the course of their evolution. Thus, they must have had many experiences of fear and aversion to certain things, which is the third aspect of how survival problems affect us. Some might believe that fear and disgust are bad experiences that should not be preserved during human evolution. Evolutionary psychologists argue that these feelings were beneficial to our ancestor survival. We can imagine several scenarios, such as when our ancestors stood on a tall tree branch or on the edge of a cliff, where a slight misstep could lead to death. Another example is when our ancestors searched for prey and a poisonous snake suddenly appears in front of them. They reacted with fear, and this helped them to avoid danger. It's not hard to imagine that if a person doesn't have fear, they certainly wouldn't survive long in natural conditions. The risks in the ancient environment shaped our ancestors' corresponding fear mechanism, which has been preserved in the evolutionary process. Hence, people are still generally afraid of heights and animals like snakes or spiders. In addition to fear, empirical studies have also found that people in different cultures show disgust at dirty dead bugs, rotting flesh, moldy food, and other potentially contaminated and unclean foods. This finding supports a hypothesis by evolutionary psychologists that the emotion of disgust is an adaptation that serves as a defense against microbial attack, protecting people from the risk of disease. That is all for the first part, survival problems are the greatest challenge in human evolution, which affect the evolution of human psychological and physiological mechanisms in three aspects. First, humans prefer sweets and calories in our food choices because they satisfy our ancestors' energy needs. Second, natural selection has shaped our environmental preferences, giving us a preference for the same environmental features preferred by our ancestors. Third, 
our ancestors encountered many dangers and thus evolved emotions of fear and disgust for certain things. We have just said that reproduction is necessary for the survival of an organism. Next, let's look at mate selection which is directly related to reproduction. Not surprisingly, our ancestors had to select their mates wisely to gain an advantage in reproduction. Evolutionary psychology suggests that human mate preference is an important psychological mechanism developed to address those adaptive problems related to sexual behaviors and mate selection. From a biological point of view, one act of sexual intercourse that requires minimal male investment can produce an obligatory and energy-consuming nine-month investment by the woman. Therefore, men and women gradually formed different preferences for mate selection during the long evolutionary process. Let's start with women's long-term mating strategies. Evolutionary psychology proposed a hypothesis that women prefer men who have certain advantages in long-term relationships. This is also supported by the results of numerous studies from different times and cultures. Imagine if one of our female ancestors had chosen an emotionally impulsive and unfaithful spouse. She would have had a hard time maintaining that relationship and ended up raising her children alone without any material assistance or personal protection so that the number of her descendants were likely to decrease. In contrast, the women who chose reliable mates were likely to have more offspring. Over many generations, women have evolved a preference for mates who are willing to commit and able to take on responsibility. So, specifically, what are women's preferences for mate selection? The book lists the preference for economic resources, high social status, somewhat older men, ambition and industriousness, dependability and stability, a willingness to invest in children, and so on. Here we will focus on four of them. Firstly, the preference for men's economic resources. Why such a preference? Evolutionary psychologists explain it this way, in primitive societies, social power and resources are usually concentrated in the hands of men, and relatively few resources are available to women. There are also differences in the resources available to each man. Their willingness to invest in a woman and her children also differs. Under these conditions, the most effective way for women to access child-rearing resources is to rely on their spouse who can not only provide them with food, find shelter, and guard their territory, but also shoulder the heavy responsibility of protecting their children and helping them to gain a foothold in the community. It is not hard to imagine that all of this would not have been possible without sufficient economic resources. The second is the preference for somewhat older men. A study on mate selection in 37 cultures shows that women prefer older men. This is because a man's age often provides an important clue to his access to resources. Specifically, in primitive societies, young males rarely command the prestige and social status of more mature men, as they have relatively limited experience and seniority. In contrast, older men have more power and prestige, which means possessing more economic resources. The third is a preference for dependability and stability. Why is this so important to women in mate selection? Because dependability and stability predict whether a male is willing to provide resources on an ongoing basis. If a man has a lot of resources but is unwilling to offer them to his partner, it will be of no benefit to the woman, no matter how many resources the man owns. On top of that, Men who lack dependability and emotional stability tend to be self-centered, monopolize shared resources, or fail to obtain resources consistently. For example, an emotionally unstable male might suddenly and inexplicably not want to go out hunting when he should be, and thus miss out on food that would have been available. Therefore, 
The reason women value dependability and stability is to get stable and consistent resources from their spouses. Fourth is the preference for men with a good sense of humor. One study found that women prefer men who have a good sense of humor. One theory proposes that humor implies creativity and excellent functioning of complex cognitive skills that are not impaired by a high mutation load. Other researchers believe that humor helps people build and maintain social relationships. But more in-depth research is needed on the reasons for this preference. After talking about women's mate preferences, let's move on to men's mate preferences. Evolutionary psychology suggests that in ancient times, males favored females who were more fertile because they had a greater reproductive advantage. Sexual selection shaped psychological preferences in males, causing them to favor those relevant traits that mark females' reproductive value, thus forming a corresponding mate preference. So, what characteristics indicate a woman's reproductive value? One of the most critical factors is age. Physiologically, when a woman is over 20 years of age, her reproductive value decreases gradually with age. And by the age of 50, the likelihood of having children is almost zero. Therefore, men prefer younger women to ensure that they can produce as many children as possible. In addition to age, men have developed standards of beauty that reflect females' reproductive value, such as clear skin, lustrous hair, facial femininity, thin waists, shapely hips, sprightly gait, lively facial expressions, and plenty of energy. Most traditional psychological theories of attraction have assumed that standards of attractiveness are learned gradually through cultural transmission. However, a series of psychological studies have overturned this conventional wisdom. In one study, infants 2 to 3 months and 6 to 8 months old were shown pairs of faces that differed in the degree of attractiveness. Both younger and older infants gazed longer at the more attractive faces, suggesting that standards of beauty apparently emerge quite early in life. These findings also support a hypothesis in evolutionary psychology that standards of beauty are evolved. That's all for the second part. Evolutionary psychology suggests that human mate preference is an important psychological mechanism developed to address those adaptive problems related to sexual behaviors and mate selection. We learned about women's preference for men with economic resources, somewhat older men, dependability and stability, and men with a good sense of humor. Males prefer characteristics that mark the reproductive value of females and have developed corresponding mate preferences. Specifically, males prefer young females, and their standards of beauty reflect a female's reproductive value. Next, let's move on to part 3, Evolved Psychological Mechanisms for Dealing with Family Problems. From an evolutionary perspective, offspring are a sort of vehicle for their parents, and parents pass on their genes through their children. Only when parents try their best to ensure their children's survival and reproductive success can their genes be continued. Therefore, by natural selection, humans have developed a psychological mechanism, that is mechanisms of parental care, which ensures that children can survive and successfully reproduce so that the parents' genes are passed on. What are the mechanisms of parental care? Simply put parents will invest more resources in offspring who are likely to provide a higher reproductive return on the investment. Evolutionary psychology suggests that mechanisms of parental care are influenced by three contextual factors. The first factor is the genetic relatedness of the offspring. That is whether children are genetically their own directly impact parents' investment in them. This is evident in relationships with step-parents. Often, step-parents care far less about children than biological parents do. 
Parental investment is a precious resource for individuals, so for many, it will not be wasted on people who are not genetically related. Hearing this, one might say, why mothers provide more parental care than fathers even if the children are genetically their own. Indeed, a great deal of cross-cultural data shows that women care for their children more intensively than men do. Is this difference because children and mothers are more closely related by blood? Of course not. Two hypotheses have been put forward in evolutionary psychology to explain this phenomenon. One is the paternity uncertainty hypothesis. For any species with internal female fertilization, mothers are 100% sure of their genetic contribution to their offspring. However, males can never be sure. Because it is possible that when a male comes on the scene, the female may already have mated with another male, and so her eggs might already be fertilized or she may mate with another male secretly during their courtship. So, by comparison, the mother's investment in parental care is 100% directed at her own child, whereas the father's investment could possibly be wasted on other men's descendants. On the other hand, naturally the greater the certainty of paternity, the greater the father's investment will be. Another is the mating opportunity costs hypothesis, which argues that because the mating opportunity costs of parental care will generally be higher for males than for females, males will be less likely than females to take on parental care. The second critical factor in predicting parental care is the offspring's ability to convert parental care into reproductive success. Simply put, children who have more chances for survival and reproduction are more likely to get investment from their parents. Evolutionary psychologists have found that, compared to healthy children, those with certain congenital diseases are less likely to survive and reproduce. Therefore, receive less investment from their parents. In addition, the age of the child has a direct impact on the parent's investment. All else being equal, younger children are lower in reproductive value than are older children. Some survey data show that infants are at a much higher risk of being killed by their genetic parents than any other age group of children. But it's important to note that evolutionary psychology does not consider child killing to be an evolved psychological and behavioral mechanism. It is simply an extreme, abnormal, and negative expression of parental emotions. A third factor affecting parental care is the alternative uses of the resources that might be available to invest in offspring. How should we understand this? We all know that our energy and effort are finite and limited. If parents spend more of their effort taking care of their children, less energy will be left for other activities, such as personal survival and attracting additional mates. Therefore, Parents who want to devote more resources and energy to other activities will cut back on their parental investment in their children. For example, for young women who have enough time to have children, they are likely to forego the opportunity to raise children. Instead, they use their energy more for their own survival, or to attract men who are willing to invest in them. This is an example of the alternative uses of the resources that might be available to invest in offspring. In addition to parent-child relationships, Kinship relationships have existed throughout human evolutionary histories. These include siblings, paternal grandparents, maternal grandparents, and so forth. These relationships also help individuals to survive and reproduce successfully. Numerous studies have confirmed that kinship is an important predictor of altruistic behavior. Specifically, people will offer different levels of help or investment depending on their genetic relatedness. What is genetic relatedness? Roughly defined, it's the percentage of similar genes shared by two people. For example, you have 50% of your genes from your father and 50% from your mother, 
so you are genetically related 50% to each of your parents. Equally, as your siblings or children, their genetic relatedness with you is also 50%. You are related by 25% to your maternal and paternal grandparents and uncles, aunts, grandchildren, nieces, and nephews. And you are related by 12.5% to your first cousins. From an evolutionary perspective, lower genetic relatedness predicts less altruistic behavior. For example, you are genetically related by 25% to your nephew, and 50% to your brother. Therefore, it can be predicted that the altruistic behavior between you and your nephew will be less than between you and your brother. In the case of inheritance, research has naturally proven that people are more likely to leave more of their property to genetic relatives and spouses than unrelated people. You may be wondering why a spouse is included as there is no genetic relatedness between couples. In fact, from the perspective of evolutionary psychology, the deceased believes that the spouse will distribute the resources to their mutual children and grandchildren. Evidently, this altruism mechanism developed by natural selection makes us help our close relatives first, then our distant relatives second. That's all about the third part, the evolved psychological mechanisms for dealing with family problems. Firstly, mechanisms of parental care suggest that parents will invest more resources in offspring with higher reproductive returns. Mechanisms of parental care are influenced by three contextual factors, genetic relatedness of the offspring, ability of the offspring to convert parental care into fitness, and alternative uses of the resources that might be available to invest in offspring. Secondly, kinship is an important predictor of altruistic behavior. Specifically, people will give different levels of help or investment depending on genetic relatedness. Let's move on to the last part, evolved psychological mechanisms for dealing with problems of group living. Evolutionary psychology suggests that the human mind contains many adaptations dedicated to dealing with the problems of group living. We will talk about this in two aspects, altruism and aggression. Let's start with altruism. Altruism is characterized by the fact that although the altruist suffers a loss, the beneficiary gains a reproductive benefit. Altruism among genetic relatives is a way altruism evolved. In the case of non-relatives, there is no blood relationship, so the altruist does not gain reproductive returns by helping others. So how could altruism among non-relatives possibly evolve? How can help from friends or even from strangers be explained? Evolutionary psychologists have proposed many theories to explain altruism among non-relatives, three of which are highlighted here. First is the theory of reciprocal altruism. This theory states that adaptations for providing benefits to non-relatives can evolve as long as the delivery of benefits is returned or reciprocated at some point in the future. For example, let's say there are two hunters who are friends, and in the face of harsh survival conditions, their success at hunting is erratic. So what can be done to better survive in this situation? They can achieve reciprocity. Specifically, maybe this weak hunter A will be successful and he shares his meat with hunter B. This food is very important to hunter B, because he doesn't have to go hungry. But in the following week, the situation may be completely reversed. Hunter B might be successful and shares his meat with hunter A. Both friends benefit by the reciprocal altruism more than they would if each one selfishly kept all the meat from his kill for himself. From an evolutionary perspective, those who engage in reciprocal altruism will tend to have a reproductive advantage over those who act selfishly, causing psychological mechanisms for reciprocal altruism to spread in succeeding generations. Second is the indirect reciprocity theory. In contrast to reciprocal altruism, in indirect reciprocity, 
the altruist does not receive benefits directly from the beneficiaries. However, when others see or hear about the altruist's generosity, they are more likely to help him. This theory is also a good way to explain the phenomenon that the one who is helpful in a group is often the most likely to receive help from others. The third theory is the costly signaling theory. What does this mean? The logic behind costly signaling is that individuals demonstrate their economic situation and resource-holding potential through unpaid altruistic acts. Because it is often assumed that those living in poor conditions cannot even provide for themselves. Only those living in abundant circumstances can afford to display costly acts of altruism. For example, throwing lavish feasts and parties might be manifestations of costly signaling. Through these costly acts, the hosts show the guests that they are excellent potential allies. So, costly signaling can enhance a person's status and reputation, which leads to a host of benefits. After discussing altruism, let's look at aggression that arises from group living. Hearing this, you may be wondering that since aggression implies violence and harm, how could it be preserved in the evolutionary process? Evolutionary psychology suggests that the underlying psychological mechanism of aggression was able to evolve, because it helped our ancestors to survive and gain reproductive success. In other words, aggression can help our ancestors solve different adaptive problems. These adaptive problems consisted of three main areas. Firstly, co-opt the resources of others. Humans stockpile resources that historically have been valuable for survival and reproduction. These include fertile land, fresh water, food, tools, and weapons. There were many ways for our ancestors to acquire resources held by others, such as engaging in social exchange, stealing, and trickery. And aggression was also an effective means of co-opting the resources of others. Warfare between tribes for example has been used to seize the land of others and gain spoils. On the other hand, when the victim's valuable resources are taken away by their aggressors, their own survival and reproduction will be at risk. At this point, they defend against attacks to prevent their resources from being forcibly taken. Second is intrasexual competition. To reproduce successfully, an individual needs at least one mate. Therefore, the opposite sex is a valuable resource. As a result, there is a competition between members of the same sex for sexual access to the opposite sex. The difference is that aggression between males often involves physical attack, while females tend to defame their competitors by verbal aggression. For example, they may call a competitor promiscuous or make fun of a rival's appearance. Don't assume that these are just little tricks. In fact, these tactics are very useful, because these derogation tactics are sensitive to men's long-term mate preferences, especially on the dimensions of physical appearance and desire for fidelity. Thirdly, negotiate status and power hierarchies. Throughout history, we find that if a man survives a lot of fights, he will be recognized as a heroic warrior and honored by others with admiration and awe. As a result, his status and power will be enhanced. For example, in a boxing match in modern society, the winner's status increases while the loser's status decreases. This is an example of negotiating status and power hierarchies through aggression. The fourth adaptive problem that can be solved by aggression is to deter long-term mates from sexual infidelity. In the process of human evolution, males sometimes used violence to prevent their spouses from cheating on them or deceiving them. It happens more against young females who have a higher reproductive value. They also tend to be more vulnerable to attacks from their spouses. Today, numerous studies have shown that sexual jealousy in men is the main cause of domestic violence. 
Aggressive behaviors in these four areas helped our ancestors to survive and reproduce successfully. Aggression is highly situational which can only be triggered if the situation at hand contains adaptive problems once faced by human ancestors. That's all we have for today, how to understand human psychological mechanisms from an evolutionary perspective. Firstly, we talked about the psychological mechanisms that humans have developed during evolution to cope with the problems of survival. Humans prefer sweets and calories in their choice of food. Natural selection has shaped our environmental preference, making us prefer the environmental features favored by our ancestors. Our ancestors encountered many dangers and thus evolved emotions of fear and disgust for certain things. Secondly, we talked about the evolved psychological mechanisms for dealing with mate selection. Evolutionary psychology suggests that human mate preference is an important psychological mechanism developed to address those adaptive problems related to sexual behaviors and mate selection. We learned primarily about women's preference for men with economic resources, somewhat older men, dependability and stability, and men with a good sense of humor. Males prefer characteristics that mark the reproductive value of females and have developed corresponding mate preferences. Specifically, Males prefer young females, and their standards of beauty reflect females' reproductive value. Thirdly, we talked about the evolved psychological mechanisms for coping with family problems. Mechanisms of parental care suggest that parents will invest more resources in offspring with higher reproductive returns. Mechanisms of parental care are influenced by three contextual factors, genetic relatedness of the offspring, ability of the offspring to convert parental care into fitness, and alternative uses of the resources that might be available to invest in offspring. Kinship is an important predictor of helping behavior. Specifically, people will give different levels of help or investment depending on genetic relatedness. Finally, we talked about the evolved psychological mechanisms for dealing with problems of group living. Evolutionary psychologists have proposed many theories to explain altruism among non-relatives. We learned about the theory of reciprocal altruism, indirect reciprocity theory, and costly signaling theory. We also learned that aggression could help our ancestors solve many adaptive problems. These include co-opting the resources of others, intrasexual competition, negotiating status and power hierarchies, and deterring long-term mates from sexual infidelity. As a revolutionary new science, evolutionary psychology integrates all the evidence and explanations from biology, anthropology, psychology, and behavioral sciences into a unified description of human behavior, taking psychology one step closer to a broader scientific integration. In the end, we would like to emphasize that many human behaviors are evolved, but that does not mean we cannot change them. Instead, the more we know about evolved psychological mechanisms, the greater our ability is to change our behavior. We hope that this book will help you learn something about evolutionary psychology, and have a better understanding of various social phenomena and us as humans.